chapter 20. Tonight we are, we are right back at it, going verse by verse uh, through the book of Proverbs. I have to tell you tonight, uh, I like our study. I like Sunday nights. Uh, I like the idea that this is God's word, this is God's truth, and that God is speaking uh, to us, God is leading us through his word. This is his wisdom. Think about it today. There is so much uh, nonsense out there today. There is so much nonsense uh, that we have to wade through every day. What a joy it is to be able to come and say, this is the word of God. It is sure and it is true. And he is speaking to us, leading us uh, through it. Sunday nights we come in here, we open God's word and he actually gives us his wisdom. I surely like that. Thank the Lord for that. Lord, help us be wise in putting it into practice. And so we're back at it tonight, jumping back in tonight. We left off last time in chapter 20, verse 11. Tonight we're going to pick up in Proverbs chapter 20, beginning in the 12th verse. God's word says this. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made both of them. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made both of them. Now that is a very plain verse. Verse 12 is plain enough. The hearing ear, the seeing eye, God, the Lord, is responsible for both of them. He made them. That is very plain. Now uh, the understanding of that may not be as plain. What does that mean for us tonight? Well, here's the thing tonight. Remember back through our study and we are learning, we are seeing that we are to be thoughtful people, considerate people, meaning we're to be thinking and evaluating. We're not just to pop off. We're not to make rash judgments. We're not to just grab onto the first thing that comes by. But as God's people, we are to be considering. We're to be evaluating. We're to be, we're to be thinking about uh, the things that are around us. Well, the seeing eye and the hearing ear, the verse tells us they are from the Lord. They are of the Lord. And we are to use them to look, but not just to look, but also to see. We're to use them to hear, but not just to hear, but also to listen. We are to be a discerning people, evaluating all things against God's Word. Now here's what I've noticed today. Maybe you've seen it as well. I've noticed today in this day that we're living in, more than any previous day, we are being robbed of our senses and for sure that is leading us to be, we are robbed of our minds. Now think about what I'm saying here. We live in this electronic age. We live in an age where there's a phone, a computer always in our hand. We live in an age where we get our news most likely from social media instead of some other source. And in our day, we do not think. We Google. You ever notice that? Well, I need to know that, so we'll Google it. Or we'll go to YouTube. We'll catch a video on it. I've said it before. I can't drive in Dallas. I used to could. Now I have to put a GPS in, and it tells me turn left and turn right. If it doesn't tell me, I'm going somewhere else. We do not think we depend on some other source. We are using pre-digested information. Give me what I need to know. Give it to me quickly and tell me how to decide. Well, in our age, in our culture, we are losing 
the ability to survey, to think, to discern. We are losing the ability to think deeply. Well, the verse says, the, the, the seeing eye, the hearing ear there of the Lord, we are to be a considerate, thoughtful, discerning people. Verse 13, do not love sleep or you will become poor. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with food. Now this is going to be an unpopular verse today. Do not love sleep or you will become poor. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with food. Now I read that verse and it just seems like over and over and over and over and over and over again, God's wisdom speaks to us about being industrious about working, about actually working hard, not being lazy, a word that's come up the last several weeks, a slothful person. We're not to be a slothful person. Well, watch this. Tonight, the wisdom, the truth of God is, if you love sleep, now be sure it's not just talking about sleep. Sleep is needed. Sleep is a good thing. But if you love inordinately, if you love sleep, if that is a priority, here's what it says. God says it, you will be poor. If you're lazy, if you're stuck in bed and you're stuck on the couch and you're just moving around like that, here's what the Bible says, you will be poor. But the Bible says if you'll wake up, if you'll open your eyes, you will have food. Now I want you to be sure of something. Things happen to people. Situations happen to people. People get sick. There are unexpected expenses that pop up. But I want you to see this. For the vast majority of people, the lack that they exist in is reflective of their lack of work. Now here's what's weird. And that has become offensive to say. Our culture doesn't want to hear that. That's become offensive to say. Our culture say, that's not a loving thing. That's so judgmental. That's not a loving thing to say. For the vast majority of our culture, their lack is a reflection of their lack of work. If you love sleep, it says, you will be poor. That's God's word. Do not love sleep or you'll become poor. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with food. Verse 14, bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes his way, then he boasts. Now that's a kind of an odd verse. Bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes his way, then he boasts. Now, this verse goes back to honesty. It goes back to integrity, to character. God's people, because he is perfect in character, because he is just and he is right and righteous because he is, he is honest. In fact, Jesus says he is the truth. We as his people should reflect that. Now that's something we need to understand. As his people following him, we are to be a reflection of him. We're to be growing in that. And so we should be a reflection of that. Now, verse 14, let me explain it to you. It is a person that he's come to make a deal and as he is buying, the person has the thing for sale, and the guy says, well, that's bad. Well, that's, that's bad. That's not good. 
Well, here's a problem here. Have you noticed that problem? Well, here's a problem here. And, and you know what? It's $100. Well, it's not worth $100. It might be worth $5, but that's not good. That's bad. Yet when he buys the thing, he leaves and he tells his friends, I stole that. That guy didn't know what he had. That's a great thing. That's a deal. It wasn't just worth $100. It's worth $200. And he defrauded the person. Well, we might say, well, that just guy made a bad deal. He was not honest and he defrauded the person. Now, here's, here's the thing of that. Here's the deal of all of that. How we live in the culture, and here's the deal, we live in the culture. How we live in the culture is to be a positive reflection on God in all things, even when we buy and sell. For sure how we speak, how we live in the culture is to be a positive reflection on the God that we claim, the God that we serve. Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes his way, then he boasts. Verse 15, there is gold and an abundance of jewels, but the lips of knowledge are a more precious thing. There is gold and an abundance of jewels, but the lips of knowledge are a more precious thing. Verse 15 calls us to prioritize godly wisdom. And really all the way throughout the study, we have to continually do that what value do you ascribe, what value do you give to godly wisdom? Well, verse 15 calls us to prioritize godly wisdom. Now, how many times have you thought or do you think, I'd like to go back and do that over? I'd like to go back and you might think of a, of a decision you made or something you did I'd like to go back and knowing what I know now, I'd like to make that decision today. And you could, you could fill in the blank, whatever that could be. You know what, knowing what I know now, knowing, knowing these things, these truths, I'd like to have that decision again. Or I wish I'd have had all the facts then. You ever thought that? I wish I had all the facts then when we made this vital, this important decision. So the question is, what is godly wisdom worth to you? What is godly wisdom worth to us? To, to actually be able to know this is what God would have me to do. What's that worth? Think about that. To actually know this decision is going to be in God's will. What would that be worth? This decision would please God. It would, it would reflect positively upon Him. What is godly wisdom worth to us. We might get an indication by our crowd tonight. Maybe something else is more important. Maybe the world's more important. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. We'll just crash and bang and somebody will bring us supper and we'll be fine. What is godly wisdom worth to us? Well, verse 15 actually helps us prioritize that. It says this, a person that speaks God's wisdom that gives good, godly advice, here's what the verse says and here's what it means, is rarer than gold or jewels. Now, you can find gold. You can go buy gold. It's not laying in your yard. It's not out somewhere in the, in the backyard. You can go dig it up and find it. There's not jewels laying all over the street. 
Godly wisdom, a person that can speak it, is rarer than gold or jewels. It says it is a far greater value, a more precious thing is what God says. A person that would speak and tell you good godly wisdom is more precious, more valuable by far than gold or jewels. Here's a question for us. Do you believe that? What wisdom are you taking in? Are you studying God's word? Are you listening to God's word? Who are you listening to today? Who has your ear today? What value does godly wisdom hold in our life? There is gold and an abundance of jewels, but the lips of knowledge are a more precious thing. Verse 16. Take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger, and for foreigners hold him in pledge. Now this is a strange verse. It's going to get stranger. Let me walk you through it. Take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger, and for foreigners hold him in pledge. Now again, it's an interesting verse. It's a strange verse. In the Hebrew world, in the Jewish world, they were told in generosity, as a reflection of their generosity, and in trust not to take the coat, and really it's just collateral, of someone that has fallen into debt. And so here we are in our nation and we speak the truth, and if we say something, you can take it to the bank. And so if someone has fallen into debt, when you, when you help them, when you give them money, you're not to take their coat. You're not to require collateral. It is a sign of your generosity. It is a sign of their trustworthiness. It is a sign of your trust in them. Now this verse is a twist of that. It actually turns that upside down. It says, take the coat, take the collateral, get the collateral for a person that has fallen into debt. Now notice this, they themselves have become surety, they have fallen into debt by guaranteeing loans for others. By co-signing loans, that's what we would say today, for others. And so if there is a person and they are in a financial bad spot and the reason you help them is because they have given money to somebody else, they've given a loan to somebody else, it says go ahead and take their coat. Now you think that's strange, it's going to get stranger. Chapter 27 verse 13, let me read this to you. Proverbs 27 verse 13, take his garment when he becomes surety for a stranger and for an adulterous woman holds him, hold him in pledge. And for an adulterous woman hold him in pledge. Now that's a companion verse to this verse. It gets stranger. It says, go ahead and take the collateral if the reason they're in a bad spot is because they've loaned out money that aren't paying them back, especially when they are in debt Loaning money to a woman for the sake of wooing her. I'm trying to think of a good word. Of enticing her. Here's this woman and she's, she's made bad decisions. That's the verse. 
and she's found herself in a bad way, and this person comes along and recognizes the potentiality, the possibility of this woman, and so gives her money, enticing her and wooing her. Now, that's all weird, but the point is this. Let me bring it down to a point. The point is this. If there is a person that lacks good judgment and their financial mess is the result of their messed up decisions, here's what the verse says. You better get collateral. You better get their coat. If they've they've given away money trying to impress somebody and trying to attract somebody to them, they've given away money that people have no sense. If they find themselves in a financial mess because they've made messed up decisions, God's word says you better get collateral. Now what does that mean? It means this. They're probably not going to pay you back. You better get their coat because you're going to end up with their coat. Now, who says God's word's not very specific in issues we might deal with? Do you know anybody in that situation? I don't want to say any names, but do you know anybody that gets in that mess? Verse 17, all right? That may be the weirdest thing we see tonight. Verse 17, bread obtained by falsehood is sweet to a man. But afterward, his mouth will be filled with gravel. (laughs) Bread obtained by falsehood is sweet to a man, but afterward, his mouth will be filled with gravel. Verse 17 says, God's way is best. God's way is best. but, But be sure you can make gains apart from God's way. Now, that's, that's just the reality. There's folks that they ignore God's truth. They ignore God's wisdom. They operate in a worldly way, and they have wealth. They accumulate wealth. Listen, Satan will encourage that. Satan will bless that. There are folks, and they lie, and they cheat, and they bend contracts, and they defraud people, and they say, that's bad. And when they walk away, they say, I stole that thing. And it seems that they benefit, yet here's the deal. Here's what God's Word says. It will not last. It will not be a true gain. It will end up like gravel in their mouth. Here's the deal. Gain made by lying and cheating, by defrauding. It seems sweet at the time. It will come to light. It will not last. Verse 18. Prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. Prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. Now, verse 18 goes back again. It keeps happening to a reoccurring theme. Again, this happens. We're back to this theme. And I've got to tell it to you again tonight. And you have to hear it again tonight. Listen, I've got to tell you, you're going to have to hear it. And don't get mad at me, but here's here's what the Bible says. You do not know everything. You you do not know everything. Some of y'all just kind of popped up a little bit. Guess what? You don't know everything. I don't know everything. We don't know everything. You do not know everything. Let me just tell you this. This is free advice, not in our verse. Be leery of people that think they do. That's what I think. Be leery. Be, Be scared of folks that think they know everything. You do not know everything. Now listen, and because you do not, search out godly advice. Search out the godly counsel of others. Now it's another reoccurring theme 
Be careful whose advice you take. Be careful who you listen to. Now, we're not just to listen to everybody. For sure, we're not to listen to the lost world and a lost culture. Be careful of whose advice you take. It's not just anyone, but the truth of Scripture is you do not know everything, and so you would be wise to accumulate for yourself godly counsel, godly wisdom through others. As a listening person, how we started tonight, as a thoughtful person, we should seek out the counsel of others, the godly counsel of others, and we should prepare accordingly. Now, the the second half of the verse says, make war. Now, that is a serious matter. That is a matter of life and death, a huge matter. And so, in huge matters, you should see your limitation and you should seek out godly wisdom. Here's what I've noticed about great leaders. Whatever the industry is, whatever the platform they exist in, I can watch Division I college football coaches. Here's what I notice about great leaders. They are not always the best. They are not always the smartest. And they're not always experts in all things but they surround themselves with people that are. And so you watch a great leader and they'll say, well, I'm, I'm hired and I'm taking a big check to be the, the football coach of this place, but I'm going to hire the offensive expert and I'm going to hire the defensive expert and I'm going to hire the recruiting expert and we're going to put all these things together. Now pick your platform, watch this. A great leader is not knowledgeable in all the things, but they surround themselves with people that are. Very practically tonight, God's word tells us we should surround ourselves with people that possess godly wisdom. Now that kind of goes both ways. Who are you listening to? Who are you taking advice from? We should surround ourselves. The, the mouse that we should be hearing should be people that possess godly wisdom. Now, This morning I talked about watching the church as it came by. And you can see all the different stories of folks as they walk by. If we are smart, and if we're taking God at his word and grabbing his wisdom, we would find people that have succeeded at things that we admire. You know what? You had a 60-year marriage, and I, I need to get counsel from you. You know what? You raised some great kids, or you had some hard things with kids, and, and you raised them in a godly fashion uh, in spite of that. Or people that failed at things and learned from it. Man, I remember they failed, but they learned from it. Or people that have endured not for a flash, but for a long time, for a long haul. We would be smart to accumulate for ourselves people that exhibit godly wisdom. We're going to stop right there tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Tonight, as we pray, we want to pray for our Easter effort. We want to pray for our church, that God would lead it. And we want to pray for God to use us as a church, for God to use us as individuals. And then in, as we go into this week, we want to praise the Lord. I, I can't get over this morning the death in love of our Savior, that we would be forgiven, dying our death. And so we ought to go into this week, this Sunday, tonight, praising the Lord, waking up tomorrow, praising the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We're thankful 
that we have a living God. We're thankful that, that we have a gracious, compassionate God. We're thankful, Lord, that you hear this prayer, that you're not distant somewhere, that you've not put us into motion and left and gone somewhere else, but that you're, you are living and you're active in our lives and, and you speak and you lead and you direct and your, and your kindness is shown to us and your love is shown to us. Your wisdom is given to us. Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, we come and I, I pray rejoicing in a risen Savior, rejoicing in a, in a sacrificial lamb that took my sin and, and himself in his own blood remedied it, that I could receive in faith your righteousness. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we come and we pray for our church. We're, we're thankful for the people you have assembled together, that you have gifted together to proclaim your word, to stand on your truth, to uphold your glory. Lord, I pray that you would lead our church, that you would move in our church, that you'd bless our church. Lord, I pray for the Easter service coming up. I pray that you would bring many, that, that you would bring people that need to hear the good news. Maybe some are in our family. Maybe some are on our block in our neighborhood. Lord, I, I pray that you would prepare. And then, Lord, I pray that, that they would hear the good news of a risen Savior. So I, I pray for the Easter service. Lord, I pray for the sermon series to follow that, that we would find the practical way to live in peace and not chaos and turmoil. Lord, I pray for the, the coming up kids camp this summer. I pray for your truth. I pray that it's assembled perfectly and that it's presented perfectly. And I pray for kids in a world that's, that's moving and shaking and drawing them away from the truth, I pray that in these days, those few days, the foundation is built upon. Lord, I, I pray for our youth and their camp this summer as well. I pray for your truth, for your word. I pray for, Lord, for kids, youth that are, again, hearing so much nonsense. I pray that in that week they're excited about, told the truth of a risen Savior and how they can have faith and confidence in that. Lord, I come and I pray for all the things that we do as a body, as a church. From our Wednesday night meal to our services meeting, I pray that you are the focus of all things, that you're the recipient of great glory in all things. Lord, I pray for the folks that have come to listen tonight. I pray that we've grabbed your truth. I pray that we're better for it. I pray, Lord, that we repent where we've operated outside of it, where we've even been a fool and known it and not adhere to it, but Lord, I pray we leave here living in a culture in a way that would point back to your goodness, to your kindness, to your character. Lord, I pray for, for the homes represented here, for kids, for grandkids, for tough things, for great things, for good things. I pray again that in all these situations that you be known. And then we just come and tell you, Lord, not having any thing that you need from us, not have anything that, that you had to have from us, but as people redeemed and saved in your grace, we come and tell you, Lord, we thank you tonight. We praise you tonight. We worship you tonight. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.